0: Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Comics World's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I'm Heidi McDonald, the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And you can find us on all social media at P.W. Comics World and subscribe to us on Stitcher and various other podcast platforms. And as always, we love to hear from our listeners, so make sure you give us a rating. So, I am very pleased to be here today with Kay O'Neill uh graphic novelist uh from New Zealand uh with their new book The Moth Keeper. Hey Kay, how's it going?
1: Hey, how's it going Heidi?
0: Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh excited to have you on. Okay, you're the author of a whole bunch of award-winning graphic novels, including the T Dragon Society series um Dewdrop, I'm sure Aquacorn Cove, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but, uh, you have a lot of books, wonderful books under your belt, and The Moth Keeper is certainly in the same vein. It's a wonderful story of a girl who is tasked with keeping the moths of the Night City. It's in a world where there's a city that lives at night and a city that lives in the day. And um, it's what she discovers about herself and her community and the moths and legend and myth and all kinds of things. Um, so, you know, where did you get the idea for this wonderful book?
1: <laughs> uh, well, so I was kind of thinking initially that I would want to do a children's book, which is why it has the kind of fairy tale, folk tale, Um, almost like structure with the night and the day village um, almost in a kind of simplistic way of of building like a world and I really liked the visual balance between the two Um, but as I was kind of exploring that idea I guess I felt like there was quite a lot I could relate to in terms of the sense of isolation in terms of the kind of FOMO that the main character was experiencing so I thought oh, it might actually be quite nice to explore this um, with a bit more depth, um and so I kind of moved it up to a middle grade sort of story um and from there i could I could kind of really dig into the different characters and make sure they were different sort of um, just different stories going on, different stories being told at the same time,
0: yeah, well, I mean isolation is is and foremost definitely a big big theme now was your attraction to that was that part of the pandemic, or you know also New Zealand obviously. Um, had ex- is extreme anyway. It's one of the re- most remote <laughs> places on Earth, and sure. uh. But during the pandemic, it became even more cut off. So I mean, how did that impact you know, You're working on this theme or exploring this theme.
1: Oh well, it's actually quite interesting because um, uh, New Zealand had quite a unified response for the pandemic. So we ended up having l- quite a long period, I think over a year, where COVID had been kind of um. Like successfully removed mm. from circulation, which was really nice. So it was a very strange time where we were isolated, but we almost felt very together because we were kind of going about business as normal within our bubble, like our, our kind of national bubble rather than individual bubbles. So that was really interesting. Um, I think for me that the isolation comes more from what I do, which is making graphic novels where you obviously have – Lots of staff and people that you work with, and you know, friends and peers that you communicate with. But at the end of the day, the kind of the bulk of the labor is an isolating work. Um, you know, you, you're, you're the one who has to draw it all, so
0: right, right. <laughs> no one, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, how do how, I mean, we talk about that a lot on the podcast when, when we talk mm-hmm. to cartoonists and you know, just how labor-intensive it is. I mean, this is a 270, it's almost 300-page graphic novel. How long did it take you to make it? Uh,
1: so I had, um, I think I spent a year on writing through to thumbnails and then, or maybe a year through to pencils and then another, another year for um, inking and coloring wow which so, is quite a honestly quite a generous schedule for a graphic novel <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, uh,
1: from from my experience which was um that was really really nice
0: yeah well I, yeah so you didn't spend these two years you know sitting at your drawing board 12 hours a day every day I imagine you did other things you had some yeah. time built in to to see other humans and you know that is to to me I mean I live in New York City and um one of the hardest parts of the pandemic which is now ending obviously but the cartooning community is such a community here and uh you know getting together at at mocha and tcaf and all these shows was like really important for people to -hmm. see each other and to break that isolation and you know it was it was a hard time Mm -hmm. yeah i
1: can i can definitely imagine um i mean i i had really lovely experiences at TCAP and Mocha, so it's been quite sad to also um, miss out on those but um, the New Zealand comics community has its own events and um it's it's I mean there's less people in New Zealand than there are in New York City, so
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty it's tight knit, is what I would say. <laughs> right, right. Well, I want not get back to that. Obviously, I want to get back to a lot of these topics, but uh, let's start out though with with how you, I mean how how you decided to become a graphic novelist. How you decided to become a cartoonist, and um, I think you started out on Tumblr.
1: Yeah, I was kind of making web comics. Um, it, I don't know if it was ever a conscious decision. It was always just. That was, even as a kid, that's kind of how I um, expressed myself and my stories. Um, when I look back at my childhood art, it's very rarely something I just sort of drew to be a picture. It was always a character as part of a story, with often with dialogue. So it was almost like little proto-comics, even if they were just single-page single, single page sketches and stuff. So that's from when I was like, you know, eight or nine Um, that was already just how my brain was kind of wired to work. So I think comics like were quite inevitable. (laughs) So I don't know if there was like a, and it certainly wasn't a choice in terms of like, yeah, this will be a career because you know um, I just wasn't thinking in those terms. And I also could definitely not have foreseen the growth, especially in like the children's and middle grade comic spaces um, just of the last like five years or so. So without even being able to see that, you know, that that was going to happen, I think, it, it definitely didn't feel like it.
0: right, right, <laughs> like, right. So you you were me. a natural, another <laughs> like why? There was no other path.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it was kind of like my other path, and I guess this is also something I draw on a wee bit in the book, where Anya is like living one life and wondering about another. So I kind of consciously made the choice, like, okay, I don't see a like I don't know what the future of like a comic artist or an artist really looks like. I'm going to pursue something else. Um, and like something that'll kind of, you know, be a job, be a sustainable, Mm -hmm. just future path. And then the kind of like, but I I obviously just couldn't stop making comics. So, and putting them online and things. So they just kind of, it just kind of grew organically. Mm -hmm. Um, -hmm. and I was very, very lucky.
0: Yeah. Um, well, your first book was, um, now I need to make sure I get the title right. Uh, princess, (laughs) princess ever after. Yes. And that was um that was based on a, a web comment that you had done on Tumblr, is that correct? Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um so I I, I mean I, I think it's interesting that you're from the generation of cartoonists who you know have this path and uh, you, you know, I mean I've been around forever and it's like in the olden days I was like, "Well, oh, I got to go to the Cubert school so I learn how to draw, <laughs> you know, the Atom. And then maybe I'll go and I'll hang out at the d c offices for five years until they let me draw the album, <laughs> you know, whereas this is kind of like uh i mean I guess it's that like you said maybe even five years ago it wasn't quite as many opportunities, um but it just seemed like a calling that that people were drawn to,
1: yeah, absolutely, and I think almost if if you don't see a great deal of opportunities, you kind of almost. Like, it encourages you to really pursue what you want to make and make your own opportunities and kind of do your own thing.
0: Yeah. Now, what was, uh, what was Princess Princess? What was the, the origin of that?
1: Uh, that was just, um, like wanting to do kind of a fairy tale that I hadn't really seen around, which was a queer love story. I like, at the time, hadn't, hadn't seen as many, but obviously it's like, just grown and grown Mm -hmm. as the children's Mm -hmm. publishing space has grown there's like loads of really awesome queer books
0: yeah absolutely and um I mean T-Dragon Society is a trilogy of books Mm -hmm. that um you know has had Wonderful success, and like I said, award winning, and um, just wonderful. I mean, I'm sipping a cup of tea right now because <laughs> I was like, you know, I can't. I'm just thinking about it, it's like it is tea time here. Um, so, but with the the moth keeper, you do like like the tea dragon society. I mean, it's right there in the title. Like you're talking a lot mm-hmm. about community and the connectedness of people, and um, with the moth keeper, it's kind of some of the same themes but almost from the other side you know where Anya is so isolated and and, you know dealing with with the isolation of her job but still minding magical creatures yeah yeah well I think you know a lot of
1: like young people kind of go through that struggle of feeling really alone Um, and I think you know like not everyone's kind of Lucky enough to just have a society that just naturally forms around them, but sometimes it's also possible to be overlooking the community that you have or like that that is kind of nearby. So I think um, that's kind of part of what I want to explore with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, one thing I did think about um, is. I mean, it's so much responsibility for Anya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've basically <laughs> taken this young girl, and, uh, I mean, her age isn't really given, but, I mean, I thought maybe she was a, a you know, older teen or a mid teen. I mean, mm. is, does she have an age? Uh, she's probably around, like, between 13 and 15. Okay, so she's definitely, it, it, it's like, uh, you know Star Wars; they make the, yeah. <laughs> the young girls are the rulers. Um, but yeah, so basically, they're giving this teenager the responsibility for their entire society.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, so it's kind of—I mean, that's how it feels, right? When you're a teenager, yeah. you've got the whole world on your shoulders. So that's that's the kind of emotion that I really wanted to evoke was this feeling of just heavy weight. Mm. Um, but she also you know she wants to kind of prove herself like even when her mentor is like we can just keep going together we can we can you know i can you don't have to start being on your own yet um she wants to because she wants to prove that she can handle this responsibility and that she's that she's capable of it
0: right right yeah no that's a great that's actually a um, a really great metaphor and she also i mean i don't want to give away the story but there's also a lot of the legends of the these people of the society and mm. um you know it has stories within stories and uh, th- th- can can you, can you just explain what the what the moths are in the story and uh, you know how that impacts with the society
1: so it's kind of like the society sort of based on a folk tale of um, like the history of this moon spirit who was alone every night because everyone lived by the day and a group of Um, sort of villagers realized one day that this moon spirit was incredibly lonely and had no one around all night even though she like gave them the moon and the stars so they decided that they would live nocturnally and keep her company and be part of a nocturnal community so in exchange for that she gifted them these moon moths that help them kind of um, like get the most out of the 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 kind of gifts at the night that it can mm-hmm. give them to live on, so like the insects and the and the plants and things it just kind of helps them get by mm-hmm. when it might otherwise be very challenging right
0: right and then there's a what you know another story in there about someone who is oh uh, a, a, another girl who is just too attracted to the moon so. Um, i mean there's just you know there's a lot of levels to the story of like the moths following the light and and people following the light and you know following your calling i mean it's it's there's there's so many themes and yet you do this with so little dialogue um a lot of the book is wordless and i i'm just wondering i mean how you, you know how did that affect the world building i mean it it you know it's very deliberate and very beautiful and and affecting but it must have been hard is what I'm getting at as a non-artist.
1: <laughs> oh, in some ways it's, it's honestly easier because you've got all of this visual kind of space to play with, to kind of reflect the, the inner journey that the character's on. Um, and because she's really going through this like sense of isolation and almost like existential um, like crisis um the using like really big landscapes was really helpful cuz it kind of provides this visual um clue of what she's going and i you know you don't need to have her say like wow i feel really small in this like huge
0: sublime <laughs> landscape you know a lot um, of people would have k okay. a lot of people would have had <laughs> her say
1: that oh but you know kids are so smart they, they can tell and it's almost like you know they it's it's when it has that emotional impact because you're just you're just seeing it, um, and you're really focusing on the pictures. That's that's what I really love doing. So that was a real treat, and you know I have beautiful New Zealand landscapes at my disposal. Oh. So that was and I mean, that's how I feel when I when I like go for a, a hike or, I'm just you know out in the kind of um, mountainous sort of alpine region not far from where I live, and it's just yeah you feel so small. So that was quite. Um, easy to channel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it does, it does come across. And, uh, you know, there's so much love and, re- you know, respect for nature. And, um, you know, I've never been to New Zealand. Maybe someday. Uh, yeah. Y- yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm good friends with Dylan Horrocks, who I know is one of the, you know, uh, he'd hate it if he heard me say this. Uh, <laughs> I know he listens to the podcast sometimes, but you know, elder statesman of New Zealand comics. <laughs> And and, Dylan is comics dad. Yes. Right, yes. Well he's so lovable. He's just such a lovely person. So, you know, he and I worked on a book together back when I worked at Vertigo Comics and so I talked to him and you know quite a bit and it was always like oh we can only talk at five you know there was only this tiny window of yeah. time that we could talk in because he had kids and he had to get them to school but you know I'll I'll never forget him telling me one time it's like oh we're going on vacation and or on holiday and uh, you know we're going to the volcanic part of New Zealand but you know you probably know it as Mordor <laughs> because that's yeah. what they filmed you know The Lord of the Rings and I'm like wow you get to go on holiday to Mordor this is so cool <laughs> um but uh but yeah can you talk a little bit about about the New Zealand comics community and um you, you, you know, I mean when I when I first met Dylan which was a long time ago uh you know there was a few cartoonists, and I know he's been very instrumental in kind of creating more of this community but now you know like you said there's there's shows and there's events and you know there's there's a i mean I don't know is there a new Zealand comics industry
1: uh not not, not in the way that there is in america um there's there are publishers who who publish graphic novels here and you like they're kind of um like more of like general publishers also sometimes do graphic novels. Um, there are like, uh, yeah, I think, uh, there is, there is opportunities, but definitely not in the same, like, scope as America. Um, but I think that's partly why it feels really, like, very, like, close knit and communal mm-hmm. because everyone's kind of doing their own thing, but everyone's very supportive of each other's thing because it's so interesting to see all these different approaches to the same thing that we all really love doing. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, that's why there's probably like a real, um, you know, tradition of kind of creating opportunities for one another. There's also like a huge, um, like comics kind of history that I'm also just like not very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more familiar with the people who are kind of my generation and, sure. um, You know, give or take. Um, But yeah, there's, there's, and there's like really, um, like the, I guess because here it kind of feels more um, related to the zine community. Right. We have really good, like amazing zine fests. We've had a really long history of creating zines. And like, that's, that's like a, that's still like a really big part of the kind of creative community here. So I think that feels, it's more like ziney comics rather than, Glossy right, kind
0: of right. thing. <laughs> yeah, are they physical zines? I mean, the actual printed yeah, zines. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's absolutely.
1: so yeah. cool. The Wellington Zine Fest is awesome. I haven't been yet, but I've heard it's extremely cool, so I really want to. Yeah, that's mm. it,
0: that's in, it's interesting that um I'm just having a lot of thoughts. I mean, you know, we <laughs> we totally in America uh we totally idolize new, new Zealand in so many ways its beauty and just you know it seems like you have you know this society that has a lot of the rough edges sanded off but it's like i think it's because what you're saying it's a small community and you know when people are face to face they don't do a lot of the acting out that people do on the internet and that's really important and we have that in new york too you know it's a big city but it's kind of be a small town sometimes too so mm. um But yeah, so, I mean, so many, like I said, so much of your work is about community. And I know that that's a really important theme for you, you know, inclusion and and community and just, you know, how people get along together.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It's an important lesson for kids.
1: Yeah. And I guess I also really wanted to explore the kind of, I guess, the boundary between personal responsibility and community. And I guess that's kind of what Anya goes through. sort of taking taking a personal responsibility but then really it's kind of questioning like well is is this really something that you should be like doing alone like yeah this is a really like hefty kind of you know role to be taking Mm -hmm. and it does mean that you have to be quite isolated so it's like is that is that the best way to be doing things is that actually like you know is it's kind of giving i hope giving tools to question sort of squish feelings of burnout feelings of isolation feelings of responsibility and really like kind of trying to situate them yeah in terms of the people around them the community and like not always necessarily um, feeling like yeah this is actually just like an individual burden <laughs> right
0: right yeah well it's a, it's a, a, it, yeah well it's a great message because i i do think you know a lot of um, you know a lot of the stories I grew up on were you know conflict 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 mm-hmm. and you know that's what a story was and i think there's there's a lot of of you know especially in graphic novels and kids graphic novels and you know web comics and just kind of the a lot of the storytelling now isn't necessarily about conflict but it is about exploration and you know it's it's another kind of, you know, obviously suspense and questioning and how will it turn out and all that, but it's a, it's a different approach. Very much Ooh. so.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. It's just, I think a lot of it tends to be the conflict is more internal mm-hmm. and it's kind of not relying on a sense of a external inherently malevolent force. It's kind of exploring just the different frictions that it can occur between just people naturally and within ourselves
0: yeah yeah um well another thing about the moth keeper is that you took up a whole new style for the book and uh, you know there's a little note in the front that says you made the whole thing on an ipad with procreate mm-hmm. uh now was that a new working process for you or how did that come about
1: uh that's actually how i did the other t dragon books oh, okay uh, although the style does look very different um the, the style that I used for T-Dragons was kind of like quite heavily influenced by children's illustration and especially like, uh, Mary Blair kind of golden age of, um, like kids books. Sure. You know, the previous golden age, we're also in a good, really nice golden age now, but, um, kind of that kind of nostalgic kind of feeling, uh, with the kind of lineless artwork and the colors and things. So that was, uh, pretty labor intensive. That was, it really limited the length of the books because I just, they would just become too, like, it would just take me too long. Right. Um, if they'd been any longer than they actually were. So this, this style, um, kind of was a kind of like liberation, I guess, because it's like the, the inking is much quicker, the colouring is much quicker. So it's kind of opened up the length of the story. Um, and so that's just given me a, a chance to kind of, try and like add more layers or elements to it that I might have had to cut
0: otherwise. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So is, is um, so I'm not an artist. Okay. Now my mom is an artist and she sits on her iPad all day drawing. That's all she does. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And then she like, you know, in fact, when I was home for Christmas, she was like, Oh, here, you know, here's an extra iPad pro Heidi, you can have it uh and i'm like okay <laughs> not bad but uh it is like a really intuitive interface but i mean is mm-hmm. there what what makes it a a good working style for you as opposed to using a computer i mean i i you know i guess you could use a wacom but you know there's a lot more equipment but what makes the ipad a great platform for you
1: uh well i guess for me the 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 wacom it's oh it's quite cumbersome i looking back i just feel like it's it's got a lot of benefits in that it can work with any application that you can use on your computer. So there are certain, like if you're just like, I've got to use this application, then it's obviously like the best solution. Um, But if you can kind of like, you know, for me, I don't really mind. I, as long as I've got a good brush, any app I'll just use, um so the ipad is so streamlined comparison to this like literal ball and chain to your computer right Right. (laughs) because you're basically required to have it plugged in at all times um and it just meant that yeah like i love the feeling of just being able to have it like i've got like a kind of work desk set up with a kind of um angled top that can adjust Mm -hmm. but then i can also go to a cafe and work for a bit i can kind of take it out and about if I really want to travel and work I can do that so it's just the kind of just an extra level of freedom and then just the very it's almost like the kind of minimum amount that you need right. to be able to draw something and I really like that.
0: Yeah well it is an incredibly mobile and versatile platform and um, you know even me fooling around with my you know non-artistic skills I'm like oh, I can see why you know if you're an artist this is addictive because it's yeah. just, yeah. And like you say, you can just go anywhere. I mean, I know my mom goes out and sketches sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, before the pandemic, obviously, but, um, yeah, oh, well, that, that's amazing. I mean, you would never, it's, it, I, that's interesting. That's kind of another just entry level for people to be able to make mm-hmm. comics. You know, there's oh, yeah. so many people and you know, there's, there's so many great tools. Yeah, and I think kids pick
1: them up really quickly because they're usually, they're often using an iPad anyway, um, to watch Minecraft or like Mm -hmm. use apps and stuff. So it's this piece of technology they're already really familiar with. Um, and the app is like Procreate, I think is like 15, 20 bucks and you have that forever. It's like (laughs) really amazingly low barrier to entry compared to, um, other software that Mm -hmm. (laughs) charges quite a lot for its services um and so i think that's something that i'm really happy to be able to always recommend if i'm doing like a workshop with kids Is say like oh here's exactly what i use and a lot of them already have the ipad they can just get the software and they've basically got exactly what i have when i make my comics it's not like this huge investment in materials or tools Mm -hmm. like specialized ones that you may not end up actually liking it's quite like and then it opens for them. They can use any brush that they want. They can, like, there's all these, like, free brush packs and all these kinds of things. Right, so really, right, right. It's really
0: fun to open. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Um, what is, is your, writing process, though? I mean, do you write with, I mean, again, you know, the dialogue in the Mothkeeper is so minimal and so, you know, minimalist, really. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, like, did you write it in layouts or how did you, you know, how, how does that process work?
1: Um, I still did a script, like mm-hmm. just a normal script. Um, I'm pretty, very fortunate to work with, um, Whitney, who's very trusting. And, um, like, I didn't feel a pressure to kind of do, like, you know, thumb by thumb kind of scripting because I, I don't feel like that doesn't work for me very well. I quite like to um you know, figure all that out in the actual thumbnailing stage, like really play with different layouts once I've actually just got the script. And I guess because I had freedom with the length of it, I wasn't having to work to a specific page count. Um it worked like I was able to kind of just do a dis- very descriptive script with minimal dialogue <laughs> and get it okayed. So I really, really appreciate that because that's, that's definitely my favorite way to work.
0: Well, there definitely would have been a lot of pen descriptions of Anya walks among the mountains. Anya walks, you know, I, I, I'm yeah, not it sure.
1: Was, it, it wouldn't have conveyed very well. It, yeah, it, it really does have to just kind of be a bit <laughs> on a safe <faith> basis. <laughs> right. When you're doing these like, low dialogue kind of things. Yeah. But I mean, it's, my other work had it as well, so it's like there was kind of a visual reference point for what it might feel like, I think
0: right right i mean did you did you i mean you said earlier that you started out with you know one idea for this and then it kind of developed um a lot i mean did you the the story did you did you spend a lot of time working out the story or did it come to you i mean you know like with the different characters i mean anya you know has there is this older moth keeper that's a mentor to anya and you know they have a relationship and then she has a best friend and um, you know there's a lot of moving parts in the story so you know did you did it all come to you like in a flash or did you (laughs) you try this try that
1: no this one took quite a bit of working sometimes they do come in a flash but this one definitely didn't I think um, making sure I think making sure her emotional journey was really clear Mm -hmm. was the kind of biggest um, like I guess as different elements sort of um, what would you say? Like, sort of started integrating throughout the story. Um, I really wanted to make sure the focus was still on Anya's kind of mental journey, and like, I didn't with with the with the kind of like low dialogue. Wanted to make sure it didn't feel um, unclear why she was emoting or acting mm-hmm. in a certain way. Right. I kind of had to I was that's that's kind of the, the the most challenging part was making sure that when it came to the kind of actions she takes that are a bit out of character or like, you know, um against what she's been sort of intending this whole time, that it felt natural.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Because it is it is about Yeah, it is uh, i very influenced by a fairy tale, and, you know, it does have a kind of a strong, I would say, fairy tale more than fantasy feel to it, you know, and, and I don't want to say parable, but, uh, you know, there's a lot. I think we've even mentioned there's, those, you know, some metaphors in there, and, you know, getting getting that journey out, um, you know, all the elements work together towards towards that goal, so… Did you, I mean, how was the process with T-Dragon? I mean, you know, you have a pretty large cast there and, you know, all the dragons and all the keepers. And, you know, again, it's you know, pretty bustling community as opposed to the isolation <laughs> of the moth keeper. You know, was that, yeah. did that come in a flash or was that something you worked out?
1: Uh That was also quite worked out, yeah. yeah. That was a little bit of back and forth. I guess, yeah, often with the, sh- yeah, because you've got a short, those ones especially because I was wanting them to be, on the shorter side or like, I guess what you'd call like lean or trimmed Mm -hmm. um, in terms of just extra scenes. Right. So I really want to try and make every scene kind of count Mm -hmm. towards the ultimate goal of it. So that one, those took a little bit of like molding.
0: Right. Right. Now, another theme that's really important in your work is inclusion. And, (laughs) um, you know, as part, again, like, you know, being part of the community and all your books have, um, a wide variety, you know, you have disabled characters, you have queer characters, you have non-binary characters, different colors and races and everything. And, um, you know, like you said with Princess Princess, that's something that kind of started right from the, right from the get-go. I mean, was that always some, you know, a theme that was important to you to bring into your work? Uh, yeah, I guess
1: like I haven't, it's, it's not something I really think of consciously (laughs) because it's just, that's the world that's, that's like... You know, I would never want to portray anything different. So I feel like I'm just doing, just doing what I can to like provide a space for like every reader right. to hopefully find themselves somewhere.
0: I know it's hard to uh, ask questions about that kind of thing because sometimes it's like you know it's just it's just that it. this is just who the people are in the story. It's not like there's a message about it. It just is. And it's very natural, but at the same time, I think a lot of times it's important to point out that people are dealing with these themes. So, you know, I just read the book. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> I think read the book and you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, so is this, this felt more like a one-off to me than the mm-hmm. T-Dragon. Is, are we left Anya's world? Yes, pretty much.
1: I feel, cause, because it was more like a fairy tale. Um, and I really loved the world, but there's probably not a huge amount left to explore in it. Like, I feel like it's kind of, um, it's, it's like a self-contained story. So I do have two more books coming out from Random House Graphic, and at this stage, that all be kind of standalones with a similar kind of vibe.
0: <laughs> ah, okay. Are you, yeah. um, are there, are there any themes that you want to mention that you might be exploring?
1: Um, the I mean, if you know me, you kind of know my themes.
0: <laughs> um, and I think
1: it's more rather than um, the themes. I'd say I'm really enjoying this kind of different style and the um, the different sort of pace of storytelling that I can achieve with it. So I'm just kind of working on hopefully saying saying more with less is my goal for these books.
0: So, again, do you think you might use a different storytelling or art style for them? Uh, no,
1: quite similar, but, like,
0: um, just just a slightly different, like, world
1: and different approach.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh, intriguing. Well, <laughs> definitely got, you know, definitely something to look forward to. But, you know, I, I have to always ask the, hey, what's coming next story, even though you <laughs> just launched this book. I think it's coming out, <laughs> yes. you know, in two weeks. And, um, you know, you, you're focused on this book, but it's always like, what is the next thing? We always have to, we always have to ask that question. But now will you be touring at all for this book or, you know, coming, coming to Tika for Mocha already shows or? Uh,
1: not at this stage. No. Um, hopefully, I mean, it still feels so surreal that travel's a thing. So, uh <laughs> I haven't had any plans yet, but I would love to come back to the, um, the shows like Mocha and TKF and Banker. I really love them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I got to go back last year and it was, um, it was just so much, it was just so great. It was just so great to be part of this community again, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, there's just so, and there's just so many books and, you know, creators that I had never heard of who are amazing. Um, do you I mean you mentioned mary blair uh is there any other artistic influences on you that you know you want to give a shout out to uh,
1: I'm fully brain blank
0: <laughs> so. but
1: um actually there's a um with with the way that I've kind of trying to draw these comics with a lot of sort of motion and uh kind of movement with quite simple designs um a artist called Fumiko Takano is a really big inspiration and I think her works have not been translated very much into English. Um, how, but you, she, how do you
0: spell that? Uh, I can give it to you in the chat. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But
1: she's she's really fantastic and um, has, like, I think, has a really strong influence within, like, manga artists but maybe not quite so well known outside right, of Japan. Right. She just does really, like, amazing like just filling the space with these really simple shapes and really simple lines Mm -hmm. and creating like you you just think like this is such a simple shape but it's got such a sense of Mm. like 3d-ness to it so i think that's something that i'm really aspiring to and and trying to work towards because i think the more simple your designs are the the easier you're making life for yourself
0: as a graphic (laughs) novelist
1: (laughs) right really communicate their kind of you know, their, their life and their, and their style. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Your I mean, your character, I, 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 I do think minimalism is kind of, um, one of the characteristics of your work. And, um, in a, you know, and again, in a, in a way that you've boiled it down to its essence, like you said, and, um, you know, you don't need extraneous. Sometimes you don't need extraneous details and rubble and <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean it certainly makes your life a lot easier when you've like really gotten rid of stuff that didn't actually need to be there
0: <laughs> well the, you know Jack Kirby always said it's about shortcuts You know, <laughs> who was able I to, love shortcuts right love all them. cartoonists do that is uh, that is, um, you know the cartoonist friend is the shortcut um, well this is uh, this is great um, it's really great talking to you about The Moth Keepers. anything else about the book that, that we need to know before before we sign off
1: uh, no, I think that's about it. Yeah. Well, it is what
0: it is. Yeah. Well, what it is is a really beautiful story and a really beautiful book. And, um, I, I think people are really going to uh, enjoy it and kids are really going to get a lot out of it. So, um, thank you. yeah, well, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for taking the time, Kay, to uh, talk to us today. Thanks for making so many great graphic novels. And, <laughs> um, you know, uh, we are again, we're on all the platforms and on all social media, and we come out every week on Publishers Weekly. And uh, thanks again, Kay. Thanks so much for having me. And as always, there will be more to come.